TCU's got a couple key players back for the Saturday's game against West Virginia, according to Sonny Dykes at his weekly press conference. Uh, also, a lot of you had questions. I'll address why is Cordell Russell not on the field, how this offense can get better in the red zone, uh, how this team is progressing through the first four games. All that and more coming up next. We'll also talk some basketball today. It's Locked On Horn Frogs coming at you right now. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That's right, Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. Uh, yeah, coming at you on Tuesday. Please continue to subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also find us wherever you get podcasts in its audio form. Sonny Dykes held his weekly press conference on Tuesday. It's actually kind of going on currently while I'm doing the show, but I'll pass along some important notes for you. Uh, first off, getting some help at the receiver room today. Dalen Wright's been out uh, really for, I guess he's been out for the last three weeks now um, with some sort of injury. Haven't gotten a lot of details on it. He's been suited up, you know, suited up for that game against SMU, just didn't see the field. Uh, Sonny Duck says he expects Dalen Wright will be back. Also, Jack Besh uh, will be back, and he'll be available. He was out of the SMU game because of an illness. And I don't think I addressed that this week. I remember watching or watching it back and being like, where was Jack Besh? Um, so he didn't play because of an illness. He wasn't available. So both of those guys will be back in the lineup. You know, We'll see as the year continues if someone kind of emerges – as the the next big wide receiver for this team is wide receiver one. We've discussed a lot about how that's been, you know, a position that's kind of gone back and forth all season long. But both those guys will be available. Uh, no update that I can see on Johnny Hodges. He's still week to week. Um, I think this is a week where Johnny will will really be missed. I mean, what I, I feel like Shad Banks. You know, Sonny talked about it. Like Shad's basically their third starter. He plays a lot of snaps, and I love the athleticism that he brings to the field. I, I feel like there's a lot of areas where he can help this team, especially you know getting sideline to sideline and not being as much of a liability in pass coverage. Um, but Johnny's really good against the run, and I, I think Shad can hold his own. But this West Virginia team, I mean, there's no real secret to what they're going to do. Um, they're going to run the ball downhill, try to come at you, and – uh, use their defense to lean on that aspect of their game as well. But um, that Jack Besh and Dalen Wright will be available for the game on Saturday against uh, West Virginia, according to Sonny Dykes. So that's good news. Um, ben Taylor Whitfield uh, replaced Brandon Coleman, but Coleman came back in the game. And so I think Coleman will be uh, around as well. But Whitfield's done a nice job so far this season. We talked about the offensive line yesterday, and Sonny had a quote about the O-line uh, let me make sure I can find it here and I get it right. He says they're getting better. He said they've had some nagging injuries, um, which have affected kind of where they're at right now. Um, but they have seven guys that they trust, and they're hoping to get to eight or nine players <clears throat> before the end of the season that they can trust. But, yeah, if the O-line can get more consistent, especially in getting – you know, push in the run game, that would be a huge boost for this offense. Uh, so I want to tackle some audience questions in segment one here because some of you have reached out and <clears throat> had comments or just questions about this team, and I haven't had a great chance over the last few days to, like, actually talk about it. And so um, we'll actually start since we're talking wide receivers there at the start of the show and guys getting healthier. Um, Jesus said what they need to do is get Cordell Russell the ball, and he brought that up. Um I think it was after the post-game show, too, that Gordell Russell has not played a lot. We haven't seen him featured much, 
And, I mean, he was one of those many guys that we talked about before the season as this this could be a dude, true freshman, um, you know, four-star talent, highly recruited out of high school. I don't have a, a great and full answer for why he hasn't been on the field as much. I know Cordell missed some time. Well, he missed the entire spring camp. He missed all spring practice with a broken collarbone. Um, and so he wasn't available until fall camp started. And I imagine it's probably just simply the fact that he's trying to still get acclimated to this offense. And as much as people want to say, well, just put him out there. I mean, he's really good in like 50-50 ball situations. Let him run, throw the ball up, and let him go get it. And maybe I'll give him some opportunities to do that as the year goes on. Like you want him to be a fully you know, functioning, full circle wide receiver that can run the route tree and understands – all those assignments. And so that would be my guess as to why he's not seeing the field as much. Uh, but I agree with you. Like, I think he's a playmaker. I would love to see him on the field more. I would like to see, you know, him get the ball in his hands and have opportunities to make plays. Um, I, I feel the same way with, with Joe Earl. I know JoJo's had some trouble uh, with just holding on to the football. Honestly, he's had a few drops, but just manufacturing touches, for him and Major Everhart and Jordan Bailey, um, you know, I, I think those guys can make plays. But I've said this before too. Um, you know, in the, in the off season, like we we list all these players that we think are going to be huge parts of of what the team is, and uh, they're going to come up with big time production. But then once the game starts, like it, it's always a, a pretty uh, consistent reminder of these rotations get shorter and. You know, you, you find the guys that you can trust and you roll with them. And so not that Cordell can't emerge like later on in the year. I mean, we saw like late last year, Jordan Hudson became somebody who got some opportunities. And we all know the story there. He ends up transferring and um, is at SMU now. But as the year went on, they trusted him more, you know, to be on the field and uh, to get him the football. And so I, I think that's just just be patient. He's still a true freshman, but I get the frustration and I know that you know, we all want to see him on the field making plays because that's what he did at the high school level. Um, Zoom play says for the uh, red zone offense, he says it's simple. Just run the ball in the red zone. We have the biggest offensive line in the conference. Um, and he said he listened to the Lockdown Big 12 podcast, and Drake Toll said that TCU can be in Arlington. So he feels like people are starting to take the frogs seriously. Yeah, running the ball would help a lot. I mean, that was that was the big downfall against SMU, third and three, you know, third and one in some situations, just not being able to get uh, reestablish that line of scrimmage and get first downs and keep drives alive. And so if you can run the ball um, in those tight windows and those uh, places where the field is, is shrinking and um, defenses are going to go to heavier sets, and that's a huge advantage, and that would open up a lot of things within the offense, you know, if you can run the ball well, especially in the power run game, then you can use some play action and different looks off that to get your passing game going as well. But um, I think one of the keys too is just in general sustaining drives. Like the team's got to be better on first down. You know, you got to stay out of third and long. You got to stay out of second and eight, second and seven. Um, I talked yesterday about the lack of explosiveness, which I think is an issue, but um, you have to find a way to get more chunk yardage on first down too. And it doesn't always have to be like 15 or 30 yards, but even if it's a play of like six or eight yards, that sets you up in a much favorable situation and gives you a lot more of the playbook to work with, you know, when you're in those down and distance situations instead of, 
second and eight, third and 13, third and 10. TCU's been in too many of those situations this year. They just have to do a better job of staying on schedule. Uh, Richard Berry said, I'm not sure who signs off on these play calls on fourth down and scoring position. If you have to kick a field goal, then kick a field goal. Um, and he says it still looks like they're working on finding who the, the lead receiver is in this offense. The fake field goal was bizarre last week. I don't know what the story was there. I, I imagine it was, you know, called play because I, I just can't see a scenario where Jordan say, I'm, I'm sure they have different audibles and looks that they can work off, but I can't imagine Jordan Sandy's just going rogue there and calling fake field goals where he's throwing the football. Um, but it didn't work, and it was confusing to me. It was also confusing to me why they passed up a field goal from like 45 yards on that fourth and four, I think it was, uh, late in that game. But I get like I get having a killer instinct and wanting to go for it. But if you want to go for it, put your offense out there. You know, I know fake field goals can be successful, but also just strange, like uh, uh, you have a two-score lead against SMU and you're putting that on film. Now, I guess the blessing in disguise was play didn't get off the ground, so I'm not even sure what teams can can gather from what they were trying to do. But uh, just a very odd Odd uh, moment in time to call that that particular play and and to you know just try to use some trickery there. Uh, and Matt Clark says Frogs are five and six against West Virginia since joining the Big Twelve. Strangely, the home team has lost six of the eleven contests. We need to take them seriously. Yeah, I'm sure they are. And I mean, I talked about it yesterday. I, I think it's really intriguing what they're doing. Um, they run the ball well. They play good defense. I'm actually surprised that I, I didn't look into this before I saw your comment. I'm surprised that um, TCU is only five and six. Like I thought that was a worse record because they had so much trouble uh, with the Mountaineers from that stretch from like 2018 to last season when they finally got the win on the road in Morgantown. And that was, I mean, that was a dogfight last year with West Virginia on the road. Um, got caught in a shootout and ended up winning that football game, but it was a one score game for the majority of that contest. So uh, I think this is a good matchup for TCU though, with their athleticism and their ability to spread this defense out and with how well they've held up against the run this year, even though this will be a different beast that they're facing this West Virginia team because uh, they run the ball really well and they do a good job of protecting um, their quarterbacks and giving their defenses, you know, uh, or their defense a chance to catch their breath and rest and, um, dominate time of possession throughout the game. When we come back, uh, we'll do our Big 12 whip around. We'll look at all the other results from the rest of the Big 12 conference. It's Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. All right, I need to get my game time app out for this read because we're talking about game time, the uh, secondary ticketing app that you need to use. If you want tickets, you need to go to the game time app right now, and you can use the promo code Locked on College for $20 off your first purchase. So if you haven't used game time before, download that app today. Use the promo code Locked on College for $20 off. And I'm taking a look here to see uh, what the latest deals are for this TCU West Virginia game, 7 o'clock. Don't forget, wear black. It's a blackout. Uh, team's going to be in all black uniforms. You can get tickets for as low as $15. Now, that's high up there. That's in Section 408. But, you know, there's not a bad seat in the Carter. Well, some people might disagree with me on that. Um Section 224, that end zone angle, $17. You can get tickets for $21, uh, $35. And if you want to spend more, you obviously can. I just like to look at uh, the, the cheaper tickets because that's more applicable to my personal tax bracket. But I know somebody, I know there are some ballers listening to Locked On Horn Frogs who want to spend more uh, and really show out at ABG Carter Stadium when they get there. But the Game Time app is fantastic. They have 
last minute deals. So you can wait until like Thursday, Friday, even Saturday morning for this night game to buy tickets. Uh, but again, you can use that promo code locked on college to get $20 off your first order. The tickets are sent directly to your phone. You don't have to worry about, you know, okay, do I have to get on my email, download these, all those things? No, they just go directly to your phone. Uh, and one of the things I love about the Game Time app, which you talked about before, they have, like, it shows you where your seats are, and then they have a picture. This is what your view is. This is where you'll be. This is how you'll see the field. Um, it, they they leave no, you know, uh, stone unturned, and they leave no mystery as to am I getting – Good, uh, good seats where I have a great angle of the action. Game time app, download it today. They're a proud sponsor of the Lockdown Network. All right, so Big 12 whip around. We do this every week, uh, typically on Tuesdays. What happened around the rest of the Big 12? We know TCU beat SMU 34 to 17. Uh, Texas over Baylor 38 to 6. Horns are now 4 and 0. Baylor is now 1 and 3. Um, this was a dominant performance. I mean, Texas kept Baylor out of the end zone. And they really just ran that game from start to finish. Longhorns look impressive. Baylor, I'm not sure what happens with Dave Rand. I know they really like him. Uh, but, man, this has been a rough start. Your only win this season is against Long Island, and that was a performance that the fans weren't super impressed with based on you know the reaction I saw. And so you've lost to Texas State, Utah, and now Texas um, and Texas looks really solid so far. Again, you know they don't they they don't blow people out like 70 to nothing. But this defense is legit. That defensive line especially um, looks really, really good. And so that's going to be what what I hope is a fantastic game in Fort Worth, you know, when we see them down the line later on in the season. Um, Oklahoma, they win their Big 12 opener against Cincinnati. It was on the road, Cincinnati's home Big 12 uh, kickoff game. Sooners win 20-6. to Brett Venable's defense looks really good. You know, the Cincinnati team is kind of limited on offense and you're one of the Scott Satterfield era. Um, but they're they're doing really good work on the defense side of the ball and doing enough on offense to get it done. Dylan Gabriel, 322 yards passing and one touchdown on the day. How about this? Impressive win for the Kansas Jayhawks in Lawrence. They get a victory over BYU. BYU was coming off a, a win against uh, Arkansas. Cougars now 3-1. and one. Jayhawks now 4-0, 38-27. to 27. Um, big win uh, for for Kansas, and they just continue to find ways to impress. Jalen Daniels, 14 and 19, 130 yards, passing with three touchdowns. But Kansas ran for 221 yards on the day. Devin Neal led their attack on the ground with 91 yards rushing. Uh, Keaton Slovis had a good day throwing the ball for BYU, 30 of 51 for 357 yards, two touchdowns, but did have two picks. This Kansas defense, they fly around. They cause turnovers. Their offense is really good. They play Texas this week. Should be a fun matchup. That's definitely one to watch between those two teams. Um, but, man, Lance Leipold has got that program turned around. They look great. Uh Iowa State over Oklahoma State, 34 to 27. Uh, Cyclones continue their up and down trajectory, you know, lose that game to Ohio 10 to 7, but then they come back and beat the Pokes. Um, and as much as my, my friend Cody Stovall will hate to see this or hear this, I think we might be witnessing the end of the Mike Gundy era at Oklahoma State. You know, that team last year had really after that loss to TCU, uh, where the Frogs came back and won in overtime. Things went south for that team specifically that year, 
and then uh, they had so many guys that they lost to the portal in the offseason. But the schedule looked really favorable. And I remember saying before the season, I was like, you know, I think Oklahoma State, like I don't think they're as good as they were last year. But you look at their the opponents they're playing, and I think there's a path for them to get eight or nine wins. It does not look like it's the case right there or right now. At least they did finally decide on a quarterback. They went with Alan Bowman all day. Um, but they fall to Iowa State, and the Cyclones are now 1-0 in conference play. Houston, they played their last non-conference game of their schedule. They defeated Sam Houston by a final score of 38-7. Uh, Holgerson's offense looked better, but, you know, we realize who the opponent is there and playing Sam Houston Bearcats, which is a very good uh, FCS team. And actually, I shouldn't I shouldn't talk bad about them because – uh, one of my good family friends, uh, her son plays for Sam Houston as they're starting running back, and so I'm I'm a, I'm a big respecter of that program. But you know they're playing Houston, and we're a little overmatched there. They fall to the Cougars by a score of 38 to seven. Um, Houston offense, at least for this week, looked better, and they'll start. Uh, well, they'll continue Big 12 play because they started against TCU. They'll continue Big 12 play against Texas Tech this upcoming week, and then Kansas State. They take down UCF, 44 to 31 was the final score in that one. Um, and so uh, K State, you know, they continue to roll along. They bounce back from that loss to Mizzou. Uh, they look good. Uh, UCF had their backup QB in that ball game. Um, but offensively, I mean, K-State can run the ball. UCF came back and tied that game early in the third quarter uh, and then, or maybe took a, took a small lead. I can't remember which one, but um, K-State really controlled the, the action after that and got it done. And so a nice win for the Wildcats. UCF is pretty solid. They play uh, Baylor this week in their Big 12 home opener, which uh, – should be a fun matchup. Yeah, it was, they they tied or they took a lead, 24-21 UCF did, on a three-play drive to start the second half. Um, Timmy McClain, their backup QB, hit Kobe Hudson for a touchdown. But then after that, it was all K-State. They uh, outscored the Knights 23 to nothing after uh, UCF had that, that brief window when they were leading. So that's your Big 12 whoop around for today. Uh, yeah, West Virginia, man. Oh, I, did I not mention that score? West Virginia beat Texas Tech 20-13. to 13, And I watched I watched a lot of that game, which sounds kind of strange because if you remember that 2-30 window on Saturday, like Ole Miss, Alabama were playing. But I saw that Tech was trailing early in that ball game. And I was like, well, I want to see how they respond here because, you know, if they fall to one and three – that's a big miss for them. And, of course, West Virginia was picked to finish last in the conference. Um, but West Virginia just ran the ball really well, and they play good defense. Um, I, I think TCU is the best offense they've faced all year and has, you know, a quarterback and skill guys that are at a level they haven't seen yet. But Baron Morton is Tech's backup, and he took over after Tyler Chuck went down. And, I mean, he's not like – he's a sophomore, but he's not – uh, someone who hasn't played at all. You know, he got he got a good number of starts with that kind of three man rotation they had because of injuries last year in Lubbock, and so um, he's someone that you would figure could hold his own and manage that offense. But he did not have much success uh, against West Virginia's defense on Saturday, and they also you know they beat up Pitt. They held them to six points, which Pitt uh, Pitt's offense is not very good. They don't look like a great Power Five football team, but. Anytime you keep somebody out of the end zone, that's a big deal. Um, and then on the flip side of that, 
they shut down Duquesne and they hung around that Penn State game until things sort of got away from them at the end of the ball game. But I think this West Virginia defense is really good. And I feel like TCU's defense, I, I know everybody's like, well, the opponents are the opponents, but I think they've improved a lot. And, you know, they've given up one touchdown since that Colorado game in three weeks, which is impressive. And if this, if this defense continues to trend upward as the year goes on, that's going to be great for this team as a whole. But this feels like the type of game or the way they're playing on defense, a West Virginia team that's limited. If you go play good fundamental football, you know, um, manage your run fits well, don't get uh, distracted by some of the things I do in the QB run game, then you should be able to handle West Virginia's offense pretty well and um, hopefully make this a low-scoring game. And then on the flip side, your offense can potentially make some big plays. But, uh, yeah, West Virginia's a good team. And Neil Brown kind of on the ropes here um, in his tenure. I thought he was going to have a bad season and get fired. But they're 3-1 three, they're three and one and they're, um, you know, making things happen. So we'll wrap things up when we come back. We're actually going to talk some TCU basketball. Frogs get a big-time commit on the recruiting trail. Uh, and the Big 12 schedule is released today. So all that and more coming up next. It's Lockdown Horn Frog Tour team every day. One of our new sponsors, uh, DoorDash. And a lot of you know DoorDash. You use it for ordering food. Um, it's super convenient. It comes right to your door. They now have grocery delivery. So, like, if you forget, if you're like, oh, man, I'm going to make some pancakes, but I don't have syrup or whatever the case may be, you can get groceries delivered directly to your door with DoorDash. As I said, that convenience is fantastic. Um, if you need fresh groceries and don't have time to go to the store or you just don't want to, like who wants to run around the store anymore? And like we do a lot of our stuff curbside or by delivery. I know that's the way of the world now. Um, they have thousands of grocery stores you can choose from, the best in your neighborhood. Uh, you can get exactly what you ordered or they'll make it right. Enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them up yourself. Uh, you can get a DoorPass membership and get even more value. You can get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 value when you use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE at checkout. That's 50% off or up to a $20 value, zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. Don't forget that code is LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for 50% off your first DoorDash order. Use DoorDash not just for delivery of great takeout, but they have uh, grocery delivery now as well. Final segment here on Lockdown Horn Frogs. So uh, we don't talk a lot of basketball in the middle of football season. I know football is what drives the bus, but basketball's had some news come down. So I wanted to highlight it. Actually, this this news came down right before the SMU game. Like this young man made his decision uh, at 10 a.m. The SMU game kicked off at 11. But Micah Robinson, uh, small forward, who is originally from the DFW area, but he plays his high school ball at Oak Hill Academy, which if you follow high school basketball at all, Oak Hill Academy, one of the more famous kind of charter schools that has churned out a lot of uh, NCAA and NBA prospects through the years. Great size, 6'6", 200 pounds, four-star player according to 247 Sports. The 247 Composite has him as a three-star player, and he's uh, class of 2024 in basketball, so won't be available this season, but the next season, you know, projecting he's going to play his senior year of basketball in high school, and then he'll be on campus at TCU the next year. Really impressive offer list, though. Teams like Kansas State and Kansas, uh, he had narrowed down the process to schools like Vandy, Virginia Tech, um, but also had 
offers from Arizona State, Cal, Texas Tech, and many others. And this looks like your prototypical Jamie Dixon type of wing player. Super athletic, really great size. He's going to hound people defensively. Um, Jamie Plunkett, who's done a, a really good job covering Micah and TCU basketball in general <clears throat> for uh, Horn Frog Blitz, the 247 affiliate for TCU. He compared him to Micah Peavy, somebody who can – you know, get stops, uh, get to the rim, make things happen. And so nice little pickup for TCU, landing him from Oak Hill Academy, again, four-star player who had a really impressive offer list. And lately TCU has done a – they've really done most of their work as far as building the roster and the portal. You know, this team especially is really a complete overhaul from last year's squad. A couple of years back they did something similar when they brought in, um, you know, Emmanuel Miller and uh, Jacoby Coles and Chuck O'Bannon and all those guys and many of those guys. Well, some of those guys are still here, but a few have moved on as well. But they've done a lot of work in the portal the last few seasons. That's kind of become the new way that they have uh, built their roster. But maybe we're seeing this change now a little bit. You still want to land those high school kids if you can. Um, but really the Blue Bloods have kind of cornered that top 50, top 100 market. But this is a nice pickup by Jamie Dixon and, and uh, his crew, and we'll see where they go from here in that 2024 class. But, yeah, Michael Robinson from Oak Hill Academy, 6'6", 200-pound, small forward, uh, wing player. Um, and he is he's had TCU this – not this upcoming season, but the next season. And Jamie Dixon continues to try to do work uh, here on the recruiting trail. In the high school ranks, which is something that TCU basketball hasn't done as much lately. Um, okay, so the uh, the not the conference schedule. Here's your men's conference schedule for the year. Uh, they start against Kansas, so a game in Allen Fieldhouse that'll be tough. So game against Kansas, and then Oklahoma, Houston, Cincinnati, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Baylor. Texas Tech, Texas, Iowa State, West Virginia, um, Kansas State, Texas Tech, Cincinnati, Baylor again, BYU, West Virginia, UCF, and that concludes your conference schedule. So the things that stand out here, you know, Big Tools had that round-robin schedule for years where you play 18 games, you play everybody twice. Still 18 games. You play everybody at least once, but you do not play everybody twice anymore. Um, so they only get KU once this year. They're repeat opponents this season are Baylor, Cincinnati, um, Iowa State, and it looks like that's it. Those are the, the only play the only teams that you're playing twice. So, you know, Texas, Texas Tech. Well, they play Texas Tech twice as well. Uh, but Texas, BYU, um, Oklahoma, Houston, Kansas, K-State, a lot of those schools are only playing once. It looks like they – get uh, West Virginia twice as well. So the repeat opponents are different this year. Uh, that's your conference schedule, and the non-conference schedule is out there as well. TC basketball, not that far away. You know, they'll be getting practice started here soon, and then games will start um, in the next month or so. And exciting team. I, I think it's going to be really tough to replace Mike Miles, but they did bring in a lot of talent in the portal. And so we'll keep you posted on TC basketball as well when that news comes down and as the season gets started. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. Matt Jennings will join me. It's Lockdown Horn Frogs. It's your team every day.